Well, thank you to the so many of you that have endured me for 10 years. And uh, yeah, it's been a blessing to be with you and a blessing to preach with you or preach this morning um, with you as well. So hope you're enjoying your your 4th of July weekend. And I do, I want to commend you for on the uh, 4th of July weekend that you are here to worship God and to hear from Him. And as we'll hear this morning, that will not go unnoticed by God and He will bless you and you will reap the benefits of it. Um, as you heard last week, I'd been away for, for two weeks on vacation, and I am back. And you know, it's good for a pastor to get away for a time. And when I do that, I always seek to hear from the Lord. God, what do you have to say to me about my life, about my ministry, where I'm at, where I, how I'm doing as a parent? And every year when I get away, I make, I make a very intentional part of my day to seek the Lord. I read almost my entire New Testament while I was away. I prayed every day. I did devotions. I walked the beach, you know, listened to what God was saying to me, um, and he speaks. And so this morning, we're kind of doing a one-off sermon. I'm going to share with you what I heard, what God laid uh, on my heart before we start our I Am series next week. So that's going to come from Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. If you want to grab a Bible or your phone, you can turn there and we'll read that in just a few minutes. Before we jump into that passage, I want to speak just for a second about how do we hear God speak? I think this is really important. And some of us, I think there's a lot of mystery around this. And so I want to see if I can help us out a bit. Max, help me come up with a graphic uh, for this this last week. He drew this up for me. And so what we got here is the three places that I think we hear from God the most, okay? Right at the top is God's Word. You can always go to God's Word, and you can guarantee that is God's Word to you. If you want to hear God speak, all you got to do is open up your Bible, and it's right there, okay? We have the Holy Spirit in the middle because He's the one that kind of empowers all of this. He's the one that speaks to us. But when you open up your Bible and you read, you can guarantee that's God's Word to you. And you know what the Holy Spirit does sometimes? Sometimes He lays some of those passages right on your heart. It makes them come alive, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Secondly, if you want to hear from God, you got to be a part of His church. God speaks through His church. When you come here, you hear from His Word, but you know where you also hear from God? from the other people that are in this room, when they speak into your life, they'll say things and you'll go, man, that's for me. God's speaking to me through them. And then finally, the other places I believe God speaks to our heart, okay? And this, this can come in a lot of different ways, right? Everything from dreams and visions to God saying, go this way and do that, don't do this. Check out this thing you're reading, apply that to your heart. God speaks right to our heart. Now, here's the cool thing about this triangle is why I have it. Really, the Word is central, right? And this whole thing works as kind of a check and a balance. We read God's Word, and the church helps us understand God's Word, and the Holy Spirit makes it come alive in our hearts. If we hear something from God in our hearts, then we can check it with the people of the church. You know, God's saying this to me. What do you think about this? And what does God's Word say? When you hear from Him in the church, you also submit that to the Word and say, is that what God says? And what, what is God speaking to you in your heart? And so all these things work together. And so really, it's our job to get ourselves in each one of these places ready to hear from God. If you want to hear from God, you've got to open His Word. If you want to hear from God, you've got to be a part of His family, to be engaging with the people of God. 
And if you want to hear from God, then you've got to walk each step of your day listening to the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's what Paul tells us in Galatians, to walk in step with the Spirit. That means to be in prayer, taking each little thing, saying, okay, God, I've, I've put in some time in your word. What are you going to show me today? You know, Isaiah says it this way. I like it how he says it in thirty twenty one. He says, you will hear a word behind you saying to go this way and to turn that way as the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And so we know from the New Testament that the Spirit convicts, it guides, it reminds us, it strengthens us, and it comforts us as believers. And so we are to walk with Him. So that's a little bit about how we hear from God, where we hear from Him. So on vacation, I set myself to read my Bible. I went to a church in the area where I was at to be with God's people, and I listened to God throughout the day. And as I was reading, the Holy Spirit lightened up Galatians 6, 7 through 10 for me, and particularly verse 9. And so I'm going to read that for us this morning as we get started. And I think this is a good word for us today. Here's what it says. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he also will reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So that was God's word to me, particularly in verse 9. Don't grow weary of doing good, for in due season you'll reap the reward if you don't give up. You know, that's a good message for a pastor reflecting on a year of ministry. We've done a lot of things this year. It's been busy, and I've been a little bit tired, right? God says don't give up. It's a good message for me as a dad who's trying to teach my kids, to discipline my kids, to disciple my kids. And man, you can get worn out on that. What does God say? Don't give up. You'll reap the reward if you keep doing good. It's a good message for me personally when I think about walking in holiness, how God has called me to be a holy man, to grow in my sanctification. And that can be really hard. God says, don't give up. You'll reap the reward if you keep walking. Persevere. Do good. It's what I've called you to, and I'm with you. And I believe God wants to speak that very word to us today. Don't give up in your Christian walk. Don't give up following Him. Don't give up doing the things that He's called you to do because He says, you will reap the reward. And we're going to see how we do that as we get into this passage. You know, we live in a difficult day right? This world is increasingly hostile to Christianity. It's harder and harder to live as a Christian. You see things going on, and you're just like, what are we doing? And you want to give up. And God doesn't want us to give up. In fact, I like memes, and so this is my meme for this. I had this uh, last week. I was sharing this with last week's events. Getting pretty tired of living through historical events, (laughs) right? Getting a little worn out, God. But God says, don't give up, even in the midst of all that is going on. God will be true to his promises. And so let's set this command to keep doing good in kind of context of the rest of this passage that we 
read. So the first thing we see here is God's principle of sowing and reaping. This comes in verses 7 and 8. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. And for the one who sows to his own flesh, from the flesh he will reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. This is a general biblical principle that God has so ordained the world that our actions matter. And he brings this to us in this agricultural metaphor. You can think of a farmer going out into his newly tilled field and throwing down seed. And whatever seed he throws into the ground, that is what is going to sprout up. And Paul is reminding us that God has set our world up so that our actions matter. What you do is like seed being thrown into your life, and it will produce fruit for good or for bad. You know, I've learned this as a parent. Uh, My actions and my words are on record with my children, and sometimes they come out. In fact, just this week or last week when we were in uh, on vacation, one of my sons was disobeying, and the other one looked at him, <laughs> and he said, "You know, I'm getting really tired of you not obeying on the first time." <laughs> well, where did that come from, right? God's showing me the seeds that I'm sowing into my children, and maybe I need to adjust a bit. And often we don't immediately see the fruit of our actions. You know, it's easy to think, well, my actions don't really matter. I, I don't, they don't seem to make a difference. But notice how Paul starts this statement of this principle. He says, look, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. <laughs> what he's telling us is, though our actions may not seem of much consequence at the time, God's principle of sowing and reaping will stand. You will reap what you have sown. Your actions will bear fruit down the road for good or for bad in our lives and ultimately before the Lord. And look, this world is constantly trying to teach us our actions don't matter, right? Do whatever you want. There's no consequences. Nothing will happen. I think I felt this more acutely when I was younger, right? When you're younger, you think, oh, I can kind of dabble in this sin and that sin and, you know, it really doesn't matter. You can look at pornography a bit, smoke weed on the weekends, can make out with my girlfriend time time or two. Yet as you get older, you see that all of those choices begin to have consequences that bear fruit in your marriage and in your life and in your holiness before God. You know, Peter talks about this in 2 Peter, 2 Peter 3, 3 through 11. He talks about that, look, scoffers are going to come in the last days following their own sinful desires, meaning they're, they're sowing to the flesh, and they'll say, look, where's God? Where, where's the promise of His coming? It doesn't matter to live for God. Just go and live how you feel. And yet Peter reminds us, oh, but they overlook the examples of God's past judgment in the Bible that God will hold people accountable. And those folks, though they are running from God, are actually storing up bad fruit that's going to come to bear on them. And in response to that, Peter tells us we ought to be people who live lives of holiness and godliness, preparing for God's return, sowing good seed into our lives with the things we do. And so really, Paul tells us here in Galatians, there's two ways to live. 
Uh, with our actions, we can sow to our flesh. That means we can serve our human, fleshly desires, or we can sow to the Spirit. That means sow to the things of God, the Spirit of God that dwells in us, the things He's called us to do, the good that He has for us, that He's ordained before the beginning of the world when we were to be included in Him. And Paul tells us what those deeds are. He talks about it in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Here are the deeds of the flesh. They're evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. I like Harry Potter. Come on, Paul. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That's a lot of things. (laughs) And Paul says all of those are deeds of the flesh. And as we sow seeds to those of our life, we will eventually reap corruption and death and separation from God. And yet he also says, here are the deeds of the Spirit, Galatians 5, through 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And that there is no law against these. You can do these as much as you want. <laughs> and the more you do them, the more you will grow in them and you will reap eternal life. You know, we have these kind of two conflicting natures within ourselves as believers in Jesus. When we were born, we were born with this sin nature. And when this thing comes to life, it will cause us to sin and we will sin and we sin in many ways and we stood condemned before God. And yet when we confess Jesus as Lord, He forgave us. He causes us to be reborn by His Spirit. And it's His Spirit now that causes us to want to walk in His ways. And so now these two things are going to be at odds with one another. Ezekiel 36 talks about it this way. He says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And yet that is in conflict with our old sin nature that is being defeated. And man, do we feel it, (laughs) right? Just like Paul talks about, every time I want to do the right thing, I can't do it because I want to do the wrong thing too. Oh, wretched man that I am. And yet we know as we grow in Christ, our new nature is growing. The Spirit will sanctify us and it will ultimately defeat our sin nature. We've been remade. And yet there is no neutral action. We will either feed our flesh or we will feed our spirit. Sometimes I've talked about this with Pastor Brian Catherman, who's pastor of Redeeming Life Church, who planted out of Risen Life uh, and we talked about this as these two natures as two dogs, okay? So, so picture your sin nature as this rabid pit bull over here and kind of this really great, wonderful golden retriever on the other side. And it's kind of this question, which dog are you going to feed, right? Which dog are you going to feed? Are you going to keep feeding the pit bull so he gets stronger and bigger? Or are you going to feed the golden retriever and let that guy starve, right? That's what Paul is talking about. Which one are you going to sow to? I was reading this week, and John Stott talks about this process, uh, about how, how we go from sowing in action to 
it ultimately leading to our destruction or our uh, eternal life. This is how he describes it. He says, look, we sow a thought and then we reap an action. Once you reap an action, then you begin to reap a habit. Once you sow a habit, then you're reaping a character. Right? It's becoming who you are. You sow a character, and now you got your destiny. And that's the process that we go through. We go from thought to action to habit to character to destiny before God. Now, the opposite is also true. If we want to kill that sin in our life, then we've talked about it in this way too, you know, we get these pathways in our mind. It's kind of like running down the interstate and you always take that one exit. Well, guess what you got to do? You got to throw a bunch of brush and blockades and everything over that exit. We got to learn to take a new road. And so we begin to sow a thought in that new direction, right? Begin to think in that new direction. Then begin to act in that new direction. Do less of the actions in this direction. Begin to form that into a habit. And eventually that becomes who you are. That's the process of sanctification. That we would sow to the spirit that God has placed in us and so reap a character and reap a destiny before God. And again, God is not mocked. He, this is what he said, Paul says in Romans 2, 6 and 7. He says, look, God will render to each one according to his works to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will only be wrath and fury. So the question for us this morning as we consider this passage is, which dog are you feeding? <laughs> which dog are you feeding with your actions? Which field are you sowing to? Because the one you sow to, you will reap in and you will bear the fruit. Now, based on how God has set up the world, he then, Paul goes on, to encourage us, look, if this is how God set it up, then don't give up doing the good because you will reap the benefit. Look at verses 9 and 10. Paul says this, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. If we do not give up, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So I want you to see this. Our motivation for doing good is based on God's character, that He will rightly and justly reward and punish according to what we do. Now, here's an important part of the gospel that comes in at this point. The reaping... And this is really the mystery of the gospel. The reaping of the blessing is ultimately not up to us. See, God accomplished our righteousness through Christ on the cross. And when we place our faith in Him, we are considered completely perfect and righteous. And now God is saying, now walk in those ways. And so you might say, well, why do we need to persevere in good works then? Well, it's what we've been studying in James. These good works bear, bear witness to the fact of what God has done in us. And furthermore, as we do that, we begin to learn the very heart of God as we walk in His ways and He sanctifies us and we desire Him more and more. It's not to, to, to achieve our salvation, but rather to confirm what God has already done in us. 
And so as Christ saves us, we begin to walk in our good ways. And Paul says, don't stop doing the good God has called you to. It'll take you to really good places because God is true to his word. You will reap what you sow. And if you walk in my ways, you will get the eternal life that you are looking for. I love Philippians 2.13. It says, look, it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Furthermore, we also have this confidence, Philippians 1.6. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. So we know that God is working in us, and God says, keep walking in the good, and I'm right there with you, doing it within you by my spirit. So let's persevere in doing the good. Now, I think it's good to ask here, what causes us to grow weary in doing good? Okay, I've been asking several people this week, what causes us to grow weary in walking out the Christian life? And I think, one, as we've kind of mentioned this morning, doing good in our world is hard. It's hard. It, it's increasingly hard. Walking in God's ways is contrary to who we've been in our soul before we met Jesus, and it's contrary to the way the world does things. And so it's difficult. You know, one time I had this job at the airport pushing wheelchairs, and God was kind of sanctifying me in, in many <laughs> different ways. Thank you, Josh. And, um, and God was really pressing on my rebellious spirit and heart that I had kind of coming out of college. And he says, I want you to do this job exactly the way they tell you to do it. Guess what? That's really hard, right? It's hard to follow all the rules that your employer lays down and do the job exactly the way they want to do it. And guess what? It was exhausting. And I grew tired of doing it, but I learned a whole lot. And it was hard because when we work at doing God or doing God's work, we're in the process of sanctification. And it's changing us from who we used to be and who to who God is making us. And that can be exhausting. And furthermore, we have an enemy that frustrates this process. He wants to, to push against us at every point. You can guarantee some of the people working at VBS this week had a hard week because Satan didn't want the gospel talked about with children. He frustrates us. It's hard doing the things God has called us to do. And secondly, me and Kevin, Pastor Kevin and I were talking about this week. You know, we, we love our jobs in ministry. I am so thankful that God called me to be a pastor and to shepherd with him at this church. We love doing all kinds of ministry, but guess what? That can also be the problem. Sometimes we do too much. And that's another reason that we might grow weary in doing good. There's so many good things that you start doing too many of them, and suddenly none of them look good anymore. And you get burnt out and tired. It's kind of like the disciples in the garden with Jesus, right? Jesus is like, hey, guys, why don't you pray for me while I'm over here praying? They're asleep. Hey, guys, wake up. Why don't you come pray? Oh, we want to, but we're just really tired, right? Sleep again. Hey, guys, come pray for me. Oh, never mind. It's already done. <laughs> we get tired and worn out. And so to, to combat that, we got to walk with the Spirit, find our giftings and callings, walk in that, and then include times of work and Sabbath rest so that we can sustain the good that God has called us to do. 
I think thirdly in my life, this one has got me for many years, is that sometimes it's hard to continue to do what God has called us to do because we don't see the immediate results. This is hard, right? We work at our sanctification, we do our quiet time, we give to those in need, we come to church, we try to do the right things in our parenting and work and across our life, and we just don't see any results. <laughs> Sometimes it's even harder. It feels like we're losing. And you can look at the world and you go, well, look at the way they're doing things. They seem to be enjoying life and things are going well for them. But God says, don't be tricked. I'm doing a work in you. And you keep doing those things, and you will see fruit. Second Peter, I, I like this verse. See, the Bible talks about this, this feeling several times. Second Peter 2.8 talks about how Lot, his righteous soul, was tormented daily by the unrighteousness that he saw and heard. He's trying to follow God, and he sees the world going his way, their way. And he's going, man, it's hard to do the right thing, God. He was tormented, the Bible says. And listen, doing good takes faith. It takes faith that God will be true to what he said, that he is doing something even in the midst of what I have going on, and that if I will persevere, I will see the fruit he's promised. Hebrews talks about this with the saints of old. Hebrews eleven sixteen says, And without faith it is impossible to please God. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He will reward those that seek Him. We've got to keep that in our minds. And these saints experience the same thing, not seeing the immediate results. Hebrews 11, 13 and, and 39 tell us that the saints of old, they persevered in doing good. They did amazing things. They saw great things happen. But guess what? They didn't see all of God's promises come to fulfillment says they, they greeted them from afar, and yet God was waiting so that all of us could experience them together. And so there will be parts of our Christian life that, guess what? We're going to have to wait till Jesus appears to see the fruit. And God says, you don't give up. You keep going because that day is coming. Just this week, I went uh, climbing in Little Cottonwood with a friend of mine that I've known for 20 years and when I, when I knew him, I was, when I first met him, I was a college pastor at the U, and he came with his group of buddies to the U out of high school, and they were kind of a rough and tumble bunch, and they began to be a part of our college group. And every one of those guys fell away except for my one friend. And so we were climbing and just talking about what God was doing in our life, and he, he just brought it up. He said, you know, I got together with all those guys just the other day, and he said, it's amazing to me to see what God has done in my life over the last 20 years compared to what's going on in their life. I haven't felt it. I haven't seen it. But my life is blessed. My marriage is blessed. My ministry is blessed. God is with me. He loves me. And I see the heartache and the hardship and the consequences of sin that all my friends are dealing with for 20 years of walking away from Him. And so we don't see the immediate results, but God says... Don't be fooled. You will see great fruit if you keep walking with me. And that's his message to us this morning. You keep going because you will reap the fruit. You will reap the reward that God has for you.
as 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I love that passage because Paul is talking about that in the context of death. (laughs) That even though these die, they have reaped an eternal reward that is coming and they will raise from the grave again. So you keep the hope and you keep doing the good no matter what you see. You know, there's also this thing that says we'll reap the good, the reward in due season, in due time. This reminds me of Psalm 1. It talks about the man of God who plants his life on the word. He's like a, like a tree planted by streams of water. And it says, in its season, it will bear fruit. And this is hard. This is hard, especially when you're younger. You go, God, when am I going to see these things? When am I going to see you work in my life? And God says, in the right season, you'll bear fruit if we'll stay with him. And so if we have big dreams for ministry, if we have big dreams for discipleship and our parenting, we want to be more effective, then we need to do the little things that help us get there over time. And really, I want you to see this. Part of, part of persevering is relaxing in the gospel. That Jesus has paid for our sins. He's made us new. He's given us freedom to walk and do good things. And that even though we fail, the victory is won. We get back up and we keep going again because His mercy and His grace is new every morning. And so the question Paul asks us is, do you believe that God will be true to His word? Do you believe that He will bring about good fruit in your life if you keep walking with Him? Now, finally, Paul moves into this last section, um, and we could talk about what that reward is. It's really eternal life. You know, John seventeen three, Jesus says, this is eternal life that you would know God and Christ whom he has sent. And he says, the one that endures to the end will be saved. And so we know that that is our ultimate prize, and yet Ephesians 1, 3 through 14 also tells us of all the blessings we also have now. It says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He has made us sons. We have experienced His grace and redemption. He has forgiven us our sins. He has shown us His will to unite all things under Christ. We have an internal inheritance stored up for heaven waiting for us. And we get all this by hearing the gospel, believing on His Son, and walking in His ways as the Spirit empowers This is what you'll reap if you persevere in doing the good. Now, Paul gives us one last command here, and he says this in Galatians 6.10. He says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So there is this outward focus to the gospel that we are to have as believers in Jesus. Really, this is much like the greatest commandment in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, that calls us to love God first with all of our heart, soul, and mind, to work on our holiness and our relationship before God, but then it calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so we love God through that personal relationship, but our love should overflow to the community around us. And we live in a world that needs to experience God's love. This is one of the primary things God wants us to do as believers in Jesus. 
Listen, the world doesn't need to hear more about our politics and our opinions and our things. It needs us to love people in the name of Jesus based on what we believe. In the days ahead, as we said, we're going to look deeply at evangelism in our church. In this fall, it's one of the spokes on our discipleship wheel up there. And think about it as a church. How can we be out in the community? How can we serve people that are in need? How can we hurt help, not hurt, how can we help hurting people find the gospel and experience the love of God? Even today, that's why we're having lunch out in the community. Come join us, be a part of being in the community, showing love to those business owners and whoever might walk in the door with us. In fact, we're going to invite the community in the next couple weeks to come join us for lunch as an opportunity to meet our, the people that live around our church. So let's be about God's good things here. Finally, Paul says this, and Ben, you can come on up. Even more important than loving those in the world, which we should do, Paul says, you need to especially do good to the household of faith. That means look around this room. Paul's saying, these are the people that God wants you to love as you're following him. These are them. By his providence, these are the ones that God has given us. And to love the people in this room well means that you need to gather weekly as the body of Christ. It's hard to love people you never see. (laughs) I'm reminded of this every time I visit my family on vacation, my extended family. Hard to love people you don't see, right? This means we find ways to give ourselves in service to this group of people like so many of you did through VBS this week. Means living life with this group of people in smaller groups where we can encourage one another, challenge one another to keep going. This means encouraging and complimenting one another. This means bearing with one another and practicing the gospel of one another, forgiving one another when we have wronged each other. Means rejoicing together, weeping together, and helping those who are in need. So let me ask you. As we look to continue to do God's good, as we continue to persevere in what he's called us to do, what is God calling you to do with this body of believers? How is he calling you to love in new ways? Maybe fix a relationship that's been broken. We are to love this group of people as a primary way of loving God and doing what he's called us to Now, we'll end with this. Philippians 3, 12 through 14 is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Paul talks about it like, look, you know, we've been going along and we've stumbled along the way and we're not to heaven yet. But you know what we do? We forget what lies behind. We put it to bed in the gospel. God, forgive me for these things. Strengthen me for the days ahead. We look forward to the prize and we keep going. It's like the runner that's set on the course, that marathon runner. It's painful, baby. It's hurting. You're in mile 20, but you keep your eyes on the finish line and you keep going because there's a great reward at the end of that line. So let's not give up in our parenting. Let's not give up in our holiness. Let's not give up on meeting with the church. Let's keep going. Let's not give up on reaching our community for Jesus. God says if you'll do these things, You will reap a reward, and you will live with me forever. So church, let's persevere in doing good, knowing that God will be true to his promises. Now we're going to come to a time of communion this morning. And as most of you know, communion is a space where we remember what Christ has done for us. 
that he was our perfect sacrifice, that he took on our sins as his own. He died in our place so that we could have new life in him. And so we remember this at this time, his body and his blood. And communion is for believers. It's for people that have said, Jesus, you're my Lord, and I accept your sacrifice on my behalf. I mean, think about it. It'd be weird for somebody else to celebrate that. (laughs) So if that is you this morning, we invite you to celebrate with us. And as we come to this time, we want to take a few minutes to consider our actions before the Lord. Communion is also a time of confession. To say, God, you know, I've been so into my flesh a lot lately. And the, the things I might read from that, I'm pretty scared of. God, would you forgive me for the ways I've been acting and living? And help me to walk in your ways. Communion is also a time for us to get right with other believers, as the passage said. Let's do good to this household. If you have a relationship in here that's broken, then I encourage you to get up, go apologize to that person, and say, let's serve the Lord together. Finally, communion is also a time today to say, Jesus, I commit my life to persevering in you. I'm not going to give up. I want to walk with you. I want to see you do great things through me. I'm not giving up. I'm yours. And this week, I'm going to continue to walk with you. Let's take a few minutes to consider our lives before the Lord.